my dad would cook for him and all the guides lived in this little we called it the mouse mahal i mean it was just a little rundown shack I'm kind of an addictive person if i ever get on drugs i feel like it's over <laughs> guys we're uh coming at you with another episode and uh we sure enjoyed the one with jeff sharan last week and we're shifting gears this week and we got roy carter from carter's big island on the phone roy thank you for coming on man oh shit my pleasure my pleasure honored i know ira and i are both excited we've been talking ever since we started the podcast we thought this would be a good a good guest to get on haven't we ira oh yeah well you know uh I've known Roy for a little while here, and uh, I know him well enough to know that he's never lost for words, and he's got some really good one-liners, and he also has some good duck hunting knowledge. So those are three things to go well with the two of us. No shit. <laughs> well, that's well. Thank you, guys. It's gonna, you know, I won't be able to compete with the Oracle, but uh, yeah, I'm at I'm at a different level. Sometimes you got to step the PG up to the R a little bit. <laughs> well. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to hit you with this one, Roy. I was watching when we, when we had you, when we decided to get you on and, and it worked out timing-wise. Um, I was watching, and I've already seen it two or three times, but some of those old DU films with you and Drake and those guys, uh, the one I was watching, they're like, God damn, I cannot believe that we're going to be trying to call ducks into this tree line here. And I've seen that one a couple of times and you're just like, it'll be good. And all those hunts though, man those are those have to be some of the i mean cooler footage and they're all different types of habitats i just i've always thought that was a kick-ass set of episodes that they did there well cool yeah that was uh yeah wade born bless his heart got introduced to those guys was fortunate enough uh kvd kind of dropped dime and said man you got to go check this shit out and uh so wade and mike check it showed up and my intentions were we had some a lot of mallards using a dry grain field. And so I thought, well, this would be all, you know, this this uh, three days, this would be awesome. We'll do a dry grain field and a flooded timber hunt and then a flooded cornfield. And so yeah, that was uh, really neat. And that was if you if you looked that up, you know, it's on YouTube, it's uh Kansas Mallards 2010, Ducks Unlimited Television. Kansas Mallards 2010, and what's so cool about it is uh, Wade's interviewing Drake, you know. It's like, you think you'll be able to pass the torch, or, you know, to Drake and let him carry the torch, and and so it was really neat, and Drake got to skip school a couple of days, and and Mike check it, um, oh, I, you know, he's kind of a Missouri boy, and and uh, I, I was, I liked some of those, a lot of shows I've done, I you know, I like them all. It's all fun. And I, I quit ever. I quit trying to get pressured up and I don't turn down shows. Just do them because even if the ducks ain't here, the good Lord just seems to make it work. And so I did like three shows with the flyway highway. And there's kind of a different deal there, you know, between <laughs> Craig and Harold and uh, and guys. Some bitches like, got an accent, don't they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah they got an accent for sure that's what i had a guide oh and thank god i had some door knocking assassins but i had a guide from new york this year in the last day season he said man people around here don't care for yankees much <laughs> <laughs> but uh mike check it you know is he actually my good buddy doug Watkins has known mike check it for you know a long time and 
I'm sure you guys both know about this outdoor industry and waterfowl world, you know. <laughs> as soon as you fuck somebody, you're done. It's a well, small I, window. Yeah, Mike and I uh, were in the same class at Missouri, and we knew each other, other ever since we were like sophomores in college. In that seat, there you go, there you go, and that's what's funny. And now a lot funny. of guys, neither one of us were in the industry. You know, we were buddies and hung out, and and uh, you know, it's not like the industry brought us together. It was just our paths that already crossed. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a. It's a small world, and I think, you know, the big guy kind of does it that way to hold honesty and keep everybody accountable. But, you know, you can't – you don't make a living going around cheating people. It just don't work out very good. Well, But, yeah, that was a great show and and was able to throw that on, our, you know, kind of our credibility list. And we did a lot of shows with Drake Waterfowl. We've been fortunate when time – kind of like you guys up there, you know, when times get tough. TV crews love to come to CBI to the Big Island because shit. One time we went to the Big Hole and with Heartland Waterfowl the day before, never fired a shot. And my buddy Dougie says, "Roy, I don't know." And I said, "I'll piss on you know. Fuck it, we're letting them in here. They ought to be thankful anyway." Three cameramen, seven guns, and we switched off and we killed fifty greenheads. Well, we shot some brown that day in the clouds, and it was, and we had dark my buddy dale with us and dale's got down syndrome doug's brother and boy it just that was that was really memorable you know having dale in the show and so yeah just a lot of history down here and we've always been hidden so much you know and in that du show i think wade Bourne even says you know it's kind of a, a little secret but the secret's getting out well and it has it's 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 went crazy, you know. We called it the frenzy in nineteen ninety one, my cousin and I and brother Ed and we always drank beer at night and talked about what's gonna happen in the future and you know, and that all ties into what I predicted and or you know, thought. Just could see the frenzy. I've seen the frenzy down in Arkansas before. So so that so if if you guys haven't you guys are listening to us talk here, and and I kind of asked that question, just assuming that folks um, have followed along with Roy. And if you don't, uh, check out him on Instagram, and also check out uh, a Roy. It's Roy CBI on Instagram, but then CBI Hunt Club is the is the operation that they have there in Southeast Kansas. So I kind of went backwards on that. But if you guys check that out, my favorite thing is the I like to see the bridge reports, and I also like to see the old photos that Roy puts up like of his dad and grandpa and uncles and things whenever they were farming or hunting and, and all that shit is cool. So let's start from the beginning. Then Roy restart from the beginning, kind of the big Island is where is the big Island and what is your family's history on the big Island? Awesome. Awesome. And if, and if you hear a gun going off, we're not still shooting ducks. It's the neighbor's got his air hammer out but no i tell you it's that's a fun story for me to to talk about um the big islands in southeast kansas in neosho county just south of of st paul and st paul's a very old town it was actually where the jesuit priest brought catholicism to the osage indians that was the largest osage indian tribe in the world and so it started in 1847. My family came there from Iowa, and you're going to get check this shit out. His name was Highland Carter. <laughs> he came down to the lowlands in 1886, and uh, the island's on the Neosho River. Neosho River is the 
largest river that starts in Kansas and it starts right up just south of Nebraska. And so anyway, uh, it splits there at Pearl Island and that gets the name Pearl Island. There was a gravel bar there and they used to clam for buttons uh, and the clam factory was over in Fort Scott and they had buttons on the Civil War uniform. So anyway, that's where my my dad, my father and Uncle Ray were born was right there underneath the sycamore tree um, on the riverbanks where the river splits. And then it comes back together down at the confluence 3,500 acres later. And that new piece of property that we just purchased and are developing and we'll have ready to go this year, uh, everything's checking out good, uh, is at the confluence at the south end of the Big Island. And let's see, um, I would be the seventh, no, the sixth generation. Drake and Colby and a niece and nephews would be the seventh and then all these little youngins that's coming on i got well i think it's safe to say i got three on the way right now and two on the ground so that they're the eighth uh on the big island and so so needless to say we we go way back you know got a uh, cousin down here visiting brother ed and cousin chris carter visiting with us uh this week down here and uh chris runs pallet factory in st paul and the reason I bring that up and I helped build uh, the last sawmill up there about 25 years ago, but the Carters opened a sawmill in 1886. And that's what they kind of had done throughout the years on the island. So if I'm... If and I, then, uh, go ahead. Well, on the map, and I've looked at the map before, but if I'm thinking right, you got St. Paul, which is where, you know, the town that you're talking about. And then, and then just south of St. Paul is the big island, correct? That is correct. That's correct. And then across the river, adjacent to, well, right across the river from where uh, Dad and Uncle Ray were born, is the uh, the refuge. It started the Neosho Waterfowl Management Area. It started in about the 60s. And a lot of people would say, well, Roy, the only reason you're hunting so good is because they got that refuge over there. And it's like, no, no, guys. Why do you think they built that refuge there? Uh, before that, you know, the island is got a lot of oxbows and stuff and it's an actual inland island i mean it looks nothing like the kansas that you guys out there can imagine we're an oasis in the middle of kansas kind of on the boot hills so like in 1991 when the wrp program come out there was 125 26 applicants in the state of kansas and hell we were number one and i mean rightfully so i i'd hope to shout and so my family has fought that river all its life. And in 1905, my family helped. They were in the construction business and they helped build levees, uh, two levee districts, one up on the north, one on the south. And the reason it's that way, it's kind of figure eight and it wasn't going to be uh, financially feasible to do that inner part. And so you got the Gibbons and the Allen levee district, which, you know, the world's great CD to forge in charge of now since I've retired, which that's fine too. That's another story, another day. So with that being said, I, I don't hold back. I, with that being said, um, the family fought these rivers and what have you. And along come Jimmy Carter in what, 1976. And my good friend Trebo took him duck hunting and stuff. That's the year Trebo won the world there, bless his heart. And, uh, and we loved Jimmy. And back then, the farmers liked Democrats. I get FDR was a Democrat. 
now you know i didn't leave the democratic party it left me and and uh and so i can't blame father and whatnot but in 1986 we filed chapter 12 bankruptcy he's the first one in the state of kansas to get accepted chapter 12 bankruptcy and it was a reorganization program if you could prove him three years if they'd cut your debt in half you could sustain it they'd let you fly and that's what we did paul d post was their lawyer up at topeka and uh so that's how I got into this shit. And I was, I was a uh, sophomore, junior in high school right then. I graduated in 88. I went to basic training in 87 at Fort Bliss, Texas when I was a junior. Um, I don't, I don't like to hear all the crypus stuff. I, you know, I went to basic training to get the GI bill. I damn sure wasn't sitting on top of coal mine. We filed chapter 12 bankruptcy. I was the youngest of four boys. So, I was the last in line. I call it age discrimination. You know, it goes all the way back in the big book and the Bible about the oldest son and inheritance and yada, yada. So with that being said, as we went along, you know, dad's like, hey, you guys need to roll. There ain't nothing here. Good luck. And so I kind of read over some of your stuff there. And these guys that's wanting to know how to buy farm stuff. Oh, I don't know. Maybe marry somebody that's got a farm. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, That's the easy way. That's the that easy way. Yeah, you don't want to try running cocaine out of out of the, the Bahamas or some shit because that ain't gonna work. And um, from what I recall from a long time ago, of course it took it took me a while. I I graduated real early a couple times, and then I decided you know I'll go ahead and stick it out and get a degree of some sort. But I do believe education is the fastest way to the next socioeconomic status level and. Uh, this farming don't make no sense right now. It's just as far as you can't buy any of this stuff to and farm it out of it, so to speak. Well, two two things. One, if you all caught that, Roy graduated real early a couple times, so I really I like that. And then mm -hmm. uh, the next one was so 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 we can get the picture. And so you know, because Roy, right now, you know how it is, and I know that I'm sure you're related or know you know a lot of these guys in some of these predominant ag areas. There's big time operators that are well healed, that have weathered the storm, that have forgiving ground, whatever. And it doesn't seem like these guys to the outside eye, you know, it's almost like some of these guys are too big to fail or they're too established. And, and people that don't know how it works, you know, they think that, oh, well, farmers are rolling in money. Well, I'm assuming, Roy, that when you were a young kid, you guys were pretty asset rich as far as you guys had land and a bunch of, sounded like you guys had a bunch of property but it wasn't generating any money at that point. You know, you had land, but it wasn't like it was just a gold mine. Like people are writing you cash rent checks and you're just laughing all the way to the bank. I mean, that, that was back whenever, I mean, you were working scratching and clawing to try to farm and it still wasn't paying. Boy. And that leads us right on into the next subject. You know, it's kind of like we've got our, our main topic and our five supporting and then conclusions. along into this. And boy you're exactly right uh rolling and dough and for all you young lads out there bitching and moaning about what's going on down and i i'm really surprised we've done so good knock on wood i figured biden we'd crash quite a bit more and that you know and but anyway chairman powell if you watch on the inflation you know raising this interest guys if you go try to buy something i think i read the other day what it's six six and a half something like that when I say interest, in 1986, 
we had a debt going of over a half million dollars and we was paying 17.9% interest. Huh? Jesus. <laughs> so that's where this story gets really ironic and out of the box. I just kind of got lucky, but I love to farm and I knew I only had one option to farm. How do I become a farmer? How do I become a farmer? Well, because you grow up in it. Okay. And I thought, well, one day it hit me. I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to go ahead and go to college if I can. Go to go to the military and get my GI Bill. Like I said, I don't want to hear no cry plus. And it's the United States. The only thing that holds you back is if you're lazy or not and your mental capacity. And so, and you know, there is some physical, but nowadays shit, you know, because I'm the most discriminated some bitch on the face of the earth. I'm a white, heterosexual, Catholic, military vet, Kansas farmer, taxpayer. <laughs> it, it, that's I'm at the bottom. Male, male. Let me stress that. I'm at the bottom of the pecking order right now. Yep, that right. But you know. So with that, if I get down here, my tongue, my, I'm not drinking. I'm still sober after five years, but my tongue gets thick when I get down south and get to hanging around all these good folks. And, uh, but now I'm having fun with life. And so that steps right in. We fought that, we fought that damn river. And the reason we went broke, guys, is a flood come about October 22nd. Shot the piss out of Mallards that year, I remember. But all the bank payment went down the river. And they built John Redmond Reservoir for flood control after the 1951 flood, but that ain't how they managed it. They managed it for money and GRDA and all that shit. And, you know, and Kansas can't do anything because they're too broke. I've, I've, oh, I've had a, been passionate about a Southeast Kansas Water for Life project. And I asked him if they, you know, the guy in front of me had a PhD and he wanted everybody to put a brick in the back of his toilet. And I said, it's that small thinking it's got Kansas broke. I said, drive over to Oklahoma or, and uh, Missouri and Lake those are Table Rock, Lake Grand Lake. Look at all the Johnson County and Sedgwick County tags and then wonder why you guys are so broke. So anyway, it's starting to change a little bit and people are starting to get a little bit friendlier since the biggest generation of revenue that I know of outside income into Kansas, probably the duck dinners I got flying in here. And, you know, and some of them I think's got B's instead of M's. And the jets must be pretty good size because it's got a lot of these, I call it Jed Clampett syndrome. You know, they, everybody wants to meet that rich guy from somewhere else. And it's like, well, man, come on. He probably wants something. How about the good old honest guy you've known for the last 40 years? But so anyway, we was fighting that river 86. We had a flood and we got bankrupt and uh, it really wasn't my idea. Eddie McKay and Andy Landers. Oh, and by the way, when I start to get off, kind of like old Joe Harris said, you can just kind of tap on the screen and circle me back. But Eddie McKay and Eddie Landruff, Landruff won the world in 69 or 70. And when Roy talks about winning the world, he's not talking about golf. It's duck calling. I mean, come on. So anyhow, Landruff won the world, but McKay called me. When the, when it got time to land them, Landruff shut up. McKay would start doing the feed. And that's that little weird feed that we do. That's kind of where we got that. So. When people say, oh, get quiet, get quiet, let them land. Now, listen, I grew up with these some bitches. When they get quiet, they're stretching their necks up, looking sideways, and they're getting ready to flush. Not only do I believe in calling them all the way to the water, but I like steering them. When they get to hover, and I kink, 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 and make them look at the camera. You know, they'll stare to you. And then, But anyway, so that's how we got started. They come over, pulled the map out to John Soloski, who was at the, working at the refuge at the time, and said, we want to build a duck lake right down here at the confluence. And uh, 
and that's we got started on a 19.6 acre flooded green tree project and that was right there around in 86 and then we kept adding on and and kept going and tough times were still you know these were like for five thousand dollar deals now before that we had duck leases from around 1946 but that was like for a jug of whiskey type stuff and that's those yeah. pictures and and i love that history and you know and it and it should mean a lot to people you know i mean in that little small town i came from we had 19 kids in my graduating class 19 kegs at the senior party and you don't stick around that long being a crook they just that's you know there's goods and bads about small towns if you do stick around everybody damn sure gonna know you're a crook so that's so anyway took off into this duck venture and and we started getting water rights and buying Chris Foley 12 inch pumps at a pump 5,500 gallons a minute and pumping the same water that broke our ass. Let's see, we came here in 1886. We went broke 100 years later in 1986. Then we started pumping that water out and over the levees that the ancestors built, which worked pretty damn handy. And, uh, and I guess it's all, you know, it's all started to work from there. Everything else is now struggled all my ass and, and there was, you know, quite a few times and changes. And then uh, now that social media has helped and it's gotten so hard to find a good place to duck hunt and some other guys have really did a good job of leading the way and oh, setting the market, um, you know, it's, it's all starting to work good. So, so Roy, <clears throat> To, to help people get a little bit of an idea um how big how big was is the big island and then also if you don't i mean if you don't want to say that's fine but if you do how at one time how much acreage on the big island were you guys farming or controlling at that at one time i'll tell you the whole story <laughs> the big island's about 3500 acre and we had about 1500 acres and I'd been feeding legally 50 to a hundred thousand mallards. You know, they'd actually like certain days of the year around Christmas, they'd be walking in soybean stubble there on the Norton house and everything. And, and I was really crazy. I loved to farm. Um, but I, I love the duck hunting and the ha habitat aspect. And anybody that follows me on CBI or on Roy CBI. Oh, first and foremost, anything Roy says is not affiliated in it with anybody else. And uh, is definitely his own true thoughts because Drake is cool beans. He's chill and, and uh, you know, he's probably not as uh, irrational as his father. But so anyway, back to that, um, I, uh, I struggled and shit. And then uh, we did good just making the payments, but it was constant struggling. Plus I was, I was drinking, you know, and, and that wasn't the greatest, but I still was doing a pretty good job farming. And I had an opportunity to make more money leasing it out than I did by hunting it. And so I leased it out. And that's that's how Ira and I got to know each other. A um, couple got kid, young men showed up there at my house. And uh, and one of them still working for you. And a hell of a good guy. They're both good guys. Just young kids. And, and uh, they knew what kind of duck hunting we had and what was going on. And, and uh, they... Hall reached out to Ira and Tony and and so hell Ira and Tony and 
and the silver jesus and farmer dan come down we sat there at the north end of the island in the old carter house right there. i mean because you know ain't much gonna change roy and we sat right there and talked it over and worked it out and and that went good and so uh i did that for a couple years well basically i'll just tell you what happened all my life, I've been really into blowing a duck call and used to be kind of the duck thief out on public property and stuff because nobody else knew how to hit a duck call. And my, one of my first partners was Brian Benford, the maker of the old Susie duck call. So, and, and brother Mike was good. And so anyway, uh, here come these boys and they, they were smart enough. I had, I don't know how many spots, Joe, quite a few acres, a lot of impoundments. And it was pretty cool. Most people just couldn't see it. And you'd have to get in an airplane to see it. And it all was real natural. I don't think ducks like square boxes. I think, you know, they. I don't say they mind them. I mean, I know they like flooded corn, but they see that shit up shining above the stuff. These sloughs all look natural. And it was easy to build. I mean, hell, you could basically, theoretically, put a piece of plywood. My family spent 100 years draining the shit. You'd go throw a piece of plywood over the front of it and pump water on it and flood it. So we was killing the shit out of them. I leased it out to have a tap flats for a couple of years and they put up a big, nice lodge and stuff. And, and there was, there's a line and like I say that you got the refuge to the North and you got the cutoff river, which is a sloop. And, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't do any boundary. Uh, it's just was considered a slough and it's the main river. Now, as a matter of fact, there's a bridge, Casey's Monument, they built it and channeled the water around it and never had, and then the water never could go back under it. So the bridge never had a car to go across it. So anyway, um, they went over there with them Mondos and set up a gig just right. And it was a it was sacred ground. I owned it still because I knew if I ever needed a big check, I could go over there whenever Phil Robson and them boys was hunting to the north. They hunted with Saturday. I'd sold them 160 acres of flooded green timber congro and the Mallard Manor project. And I had sold Henslick the big hole project. And anyway, them boys went over there and went to killing them. And they killed them. And they killed them. And they killed them. So bad that here come the chainsaws and all that shit. I asked everybody, I asked everybody, is this how Jesus would act? Because they're good. I mean, they're good guys. They really are. But, you know, that's I threw that one. That's always one of them because I, I see a lot of things. He said, we put a cockleburr in their craw. I know that. Put a cockaburr in the craw and made me five million dollars. That's basically what happened. Boy, you see that right now. Everybody fucking hates me. Isn't that something? Work my fucking ass off. And everybody hates me now. You know, that's just like they, everybody, that's, you look out here and what you always see Donald Trump on all these boats and shit. You know why? Because they don't subsidize for boats. Yeah. And so anyway, I'll get off politics and I don't care because if you can't see it by now, I don't need your money. If you, you know what I mean? If I piss the Democrats off, good fucking deal. So with that being said, yeah, cause I don't, I don't even need, it's all crooked money anyway. So with that being said, yeah, that the, the river is what brought this fertile soil here. Ain't no, nobody cares about the, the life and, and the stewardess of the land down there more than me when I'm doing these spotted skunk habitats and I'm working for the environmental danger species and the EPA. I mean, I drank out of that well water. And so the molecules, every molecule in my body has some of that Neosho River in it. So, I mean, I am the Neosho River. So I really don't need some city shit 
coming out there, but you'll have that. You're going to have that in the big jobs. But that's what tickles me too is in today's bureaucracy and stuff, how the idiots can be in charge and they ought to have to take an well, attitude test. Roy, I'm sure that, uh, you know, the Neo shows kind of like the grand and that you've got all these people that are, you know, just putting a whole, that are really into neotropical birds and frogs and, and, you know, uh, owls and, and all that. I'm sure that they're just dumping the money into these WRP and, and restoration projects like duck hunters are, aren't you? Oh yeah, I know it. That's what I, I, you're exactly right. I found that all the people complaining are usually the takers, you know, that's one of my old sayings. It's not what you do now or what you do yesterday, what you've done yesterday or do tomorrow. It's what you do over time. And, and that shows with those WRPs and, and giving back what we take away. That's like with you guys up there and Jeff Turan. I mean, uh, that's why it's funny. If you Google Habitat Flats and you get on the chat lines and it's like, you know, it's, you get these guys, the sideliners, the tennis shoe hunters, and they hate you guys and they hate me and they don't realize Hell, we're the ones we just did a four million dollar project up there at St. Paul to help enhance that. Um, now we it wasn't us solely, but we spearheaded that you know in a garage over a, a jug of vodka. Um, they needed the hundred twenty thousand dollars in ten minutes. We had them hundred twenty. We had twelve people that was ready and and stood up to the plate. But no, then after they have that deal there. Um, here come the buyers, some some old boys from Five Oaks, and 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 old you know, and Jody Pagan's a smart guy down there, and he's a good dude, and worked out really sw uh, slick during that time. You know, I realized I was drinking too much, so I needed to sober up, and so I sobered up, and and uh, started thinking I wasn't much fun since I quit drinking. So now that's I had to throw that country line in there, but anyway. Uh, you know, life's really good and life has a reason. So back to that thousand acres, one can say, oh, my God, oh, my God. Well, now it's been a little challenging. But one thing about the this farming and all these people that dream about being farmers, I'm just going to cut right to the chase. You're probably not going to be no good at it because if you don't come, you know, grow up farming, there's no manual. That's We went out deep sea fishing yesterday and something was broke down in the back of the boat. Pat, get the fuck out of the way. You know, what are you doing? Well, listen, where I grew up, there ain't an ace hardware down at the end of the line. I can fix anything. And if I can't, I'll jerry-rig that some bitch. And uh, I went back there and, and and tapped on it, you know, and got got the live well motor going. So I, I know, I know I come off arrogant, but that's kind of like at 5.30 in the morning killing ducks. I had a guy, Daryl Dunham, six foot seven, to look down at me and tell me I was the most intimidating son bitch he ever met. <laughs> and it does it does take a lot of ego and stuff because i never would satisfy for not killing them or not killing them right there where i want to kill them i will not not move a decoy if i need to and i'll tell everybody exactly what i'm planning on and so, so you know and some days they don't make shit if they ain't gonna fly but um well, so you know so back to that deal i bought it i sold that and i bought a little spot and another millionaire built a great big 300 acre uh impoundment flooded with corn and the ducks started lining up and flying right over me i put a twenty five thousand dollars before you put the lids and you know thirty thousand dollar concealed comfort in and i'm right under them neighbors say i'm baiting them they're clueless they can't kill them the ducks are a mile high um no 
the game wardens and I sit up the road and watch, you know, baiting them, them boys down there, and every now and then they'll get a taker. You know, they'll watch that Macy Day parade go over them. You're talking about you guys' new spot that you hunt now for uh, exactly. So, so tell us, tell us where where that is on the. Is it on the island or is it off the island? Off the island, it's. Uh, you know, I can throw a rock over to the island, but I'm over on the cutoff side, and I'm. Uh, you know, and of course, you know it's all booby trap wired and video cameras, so don't come down there. Uh, we <laughs> uh, we had problems once, and we won't have it again. And uh, it, it was weird out there, by the way, in which, rest of soul, we had the KBI and stuff. If you watch, it's still a little, that Yellowstone, I love Yellowstone, but there's some old boys taking serious down here. They found the body down there on Bob Becker's place. I sold him in a shallow grave. And so anyway, that's kind of an odd deal, but it's still West down here. And, hey, you know, but it's good people. There's some crazy shit that goes on on that island from uh, from our experience down there. Yeah, that's right, with those CD. And around me, there'll be no gray area, because I'm going to tell you right now, uh, I'm not going to pick up phone call. It'd take too long. I was in the military when I was 17. I don't need lower IQ showing up with the rule book. Uh, but one thing I do know, and I'm not going to, you know, I don't want any violence, but when it comes to gray area, you don't see the good ever wanting to get with the bad. That's strictly the bad wanting to get with the good. And so there's no gray area. You know what I mean? And so that's back to the hunting right on 50th Street, south of the refuge, approximately two and a half miles. So they got enough time to air out and they work pretty good. And then what's neat is this new place, the Big Woods, is the next dead end road up against the river right at the confluence. And these ducks, what they're doing is they get up in the air and they're lining out on that uh, flashing light and that uh, feedlot grinding flashing light down there. And then right in front of that flashing light is is turlips, uh, 300 acres of corn. And they got so they fly right over us. Now in that mix is also the Ducks Unlimited South Unit Project, and which we're adjacent to down there on the Big Wood. We're right across the river from the Big Hole. So I'm going to aim my guns the other way. I like old Dougie and probably going to shut down at noon and I might start shooting some, you know, 20 gauges. Uh, you know what I mean? To try to just keep peace. If, if you, okay. So the, okay. One thing, and then I got a question for Ira, but the big hole is you, you used to own the big hole, correct? That bit. Yep. You used to own the big hole. And you still hunt and you still hunt there. Some too. Yes. Yeah. Doug and I are good friends. And And you, uh, it, okay, that's a point that I wanted to make. So it seems to the outsider that you sold this property, but you still continue to uh, help maybe even develop or manage some of it at one time and then still hunt it some too, correct? Just got done planting all the corn. And we do such, and that's going to sound wrong, but like I said, I used to feed 50 to 100,000 ducks every year across the way. The management has been so bad over there. They're all over here on my side. And so if you got Roy Carter farming your duck hole, you might want to keep him farming your duck hole. So anyway, his corn looks perfect and all the Chihuahua mill is up and all the timber and it's ready. And when I get back, I'll go in there and obviously I'll be looking for flea beetles and I'll spray with some 2,4-D and might even splash the atrazine down. I doubt it though. And so, yeah, you know, and that's what, that's, yeah. Yeah, we do all his farming and managing. In the last two years, his pump's been broke down. I crawled down in the middle of that pump, and uh, 
pumped all the water out of it, crawled down in there. I knew where it was wedged. It, it, there's only one spot the impeller gets close to the side. And I had a five foot pipe wrench on that son of a bitch and she got wedged. And I told the boy, and so we pumped the water out with a three inch trash pump, crawled down in that son of a bitch, 20 feet below river level. I left the mud out at the inlet tube so that it didn't flood in me. And I took a torch and I cut me a one, you know, a 12 by 12 square back there. And there it was. Somebody had cut like when they rebuilt that pump when, when, you know, cause I retired for a while, you see Roy, Roy was kind of lost in action for about three years around there. Cause, cause I really was paying me so much. <laughs> and so anyway, the last two years, the only reason them guys got money or water in there is because Roy pumped it the first year with his 12 inch and then fixed that $120,000 electric pump. Uh, last year and i'm sorry i come off arrogant but i'm a doer guys it's no, it didn't nothing came fucking walking to my doorstep when i wake up in the morning nobody calls me and says hey i'm gonna send you a check every dollar i've made i've had to think of how to make it and how to make it honest and when these boys wake up in the morning they're all sitting there at my table five o'clock jacob and drake and then they got the crew and they'll be nervous as a horn church when there ain't no ducks they care that much no matter what, I've tried telling myself not to give a shit for 40 years. But if you're a human, you care. And I says, did you break the law? No. Did you lie or steal? No. Then get your ass out there. You ain't got a fucking thing to worry about. So, and you're, there's a lot of truth to that. And it's funny because there's few, there's not very many people that'll just come out and say that, but it's true. And I, Ira, so from your point of view, obviously Roy uh, has been on the island his whole life and around it his whole life. And, you know, obviously. So he's got that view of the island. And it's kind of like me in my backyard. I think it's pretty goddamn badass, but some people might not. I don't, I know that's not the case of the island, but from a person who didn't grow up there, when you went and checked it out, describe kind of the habitat when you looked around and what you guys leased, what kind of makeup of habitat was that, uh, in your, in your opinion, kind of describe that when you saw it for the first time. Well, I didn't ever spend that much time down there. Um, in fact, I only ever went down there one time during during hunting season. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of diversity. Um, there was some flooded woods. There were flooded ag complexes. There were some natural low spots that have been improved. Uh, but, the you know, there was one hole on there that was kind of a, a really kind of a not very ducky looking, not very pretty uh oxbow and help me out here roy but i think it was on on the upper end or the the west side northwest side of big hole is that right yes yes it's on uh it was on that line of ducks like right now my big pit would be a half mile north of that yeah and so yeah. that was where most of the daily killing occurred and that was where the Marachi band and the dancing girls and the chainsaws and the taco stand popped up 50 yards, <laughs> 75 yards behind the blind for uh, however many days duck season went on over there. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, I, I don't know. We, we, you know, you can only, you only have one ass. And, uh, you know, our main crew all had our roots planted so deep in Sumner that we weren't there. And, uh, I don't know what all transpired on a day-to-day -day basis, but I do know that we managed to uh, upset some of the neighbors, and that's never a good thing. And uh, and you know, property lines are property lines, and so you know, it was uh, 
we had some challenges down there, but we had some good duck hunting down there. And from a business standpoint, even though we were paying Roy uh, a nice lease price, um, we were in the black and it was all, all going pretty good. So, you know, we, we came out of there uh, not being in the red when it was all said and done. So uh, that was, that was good and fine and dandy, but it's definitely a neat part of the world. Um, like Roy said, it is absolutely nothing like what you think of the think of Kansas. You know, most people's memories of Kansas are driving down I-70 through the Flint Hills, heading to Colorado to go ski or do something out there. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta say, once you get through the Flint Hills and you get to Western Kansas and Eastern Colorado, that's some pretty boring country right through there. But when you're driving down in Southeast Kansas along the Neosho river, if you're a duck hunter, you, you don't want to blink, you know, you're just looking and looking and looking and it's pretty cool country. So neat part of the world. Um, very ducky and just like everybody, everywhere else I've ever been. And, and like Roy was telling the story and, and I've told the story ad nauseum, you know, every day is a different day. You might not do worth crap one day and you might just burn them down the next day. And, you know, back when field, film for us all the time, you know, we'd always try and predict which hole we thought was going to be the best the next day. And we'd send them there. And it was usually based on which hole was best the day before. And we were almost never right. It was like the monkey that predicts the stock market does better than the stock, the paid stock picker does. Um, that's kind of how trying to predict the duck goes most of the time. Right. So Roy, when, when I look at the, when I look at the map of the big Island, I know that I'm well, I don't know anything, but I assume that your big hole was your big hole down towards the south end of the island. Uh yes. And yeah, so southeast corner. Okay. Down right in front of the confluence yes. basically. Okay. So that area that area looks freaking unreal. Like if you just look at it from the map, it and this is just my on X overview, but yes. it looks like flooded timber, buck brush scrub brush some fields kind of interlaced in among, like it just looks like a natural place that was kind of meant to be a duck hunting spot and you know i see your all's photos and i know you guys still hunt there some but kind of describe that little part of the island as far as the hunting and i and, and in doing that you're describing like i kind of want to also tie that in with a new hole that you guys are building at cbi what kind of hunting is that you know, I know you guys are doing a bunch of hunting in the concealed comfort, which is badass and whooping ass. It looks like you guys are about as consistent as anybody. But what kind of hunting is it outside of of that? Right. Um, you know, as far as compared to where I've seen around the country, these ducks around here, they like to be called at. You know, a lot of my friends from the south have come up and they're they're a little too scared or gentle on the call. And there's certain points at these holes where I mean you got like at that big hole, um, there's spots in there where have been breaking ducks for 20, 30 years, and they bend right at those spots every time, and they come right up the gut. You could, with that wind direction, you could set the, you know, set the camera up. That 500 acres is pretty special, or looks special down there, because it was 500 acres of timber, and we, when I was a kid, we ran cattle in there. And so, boy, that was a mess, you know. You basically didn't keep an eye on them, and when it flooded, <laughs> terrible. Um, getting them out of there and so when we signed up into wrp a lot of that you can kind of see where we've put in just structure after structure and had a lot of fun down there building programs and stuff that was like in 91 
and I guess it's a far enough distance away from the refuge to where they're they're soft and they work fairly decent. Now the other spots, we had enough uh, flooded grain to where the the most consistent way to kill a mallard, in my opinion, is to obviously have him eating there and coming there by the hundreds or by the thousands every day and not shot. And so we had enough spots where we could bounce around. And that's what we, like last year, we had to get really diverse and do farm pond hunting. And we've got some other projects that are weather dependent. And of course, being in the drought, that wasn't very good. But we've got four places that are on the river with water rights. So that's that's nice. Got some more projects down south of 400. And, you know, in 91, I made the statement that it'd probably be wetlands all the way from John Redmond to Grand Lake, wherever it's feasible. And it's we're not far behind that. And in the world of real estate, you know, I, I knew I was sitting on the gold mine, but I, hell, I couldn't fi- afford to buy an excavator, let alone start digging. So that's, it's time you sit there and you dream and you like with the farmer and oh yeah, we're going to do this, going to do this. Well, 20 years went by and you still ain't did it yet. It's time to start seeing it a little bit. And, uh, I've seen and heard about all these hard luck times, you know, gosh, if we would have did this and that's, I was on a podcast with, with Shane Olson and, you know, I've heard so many would have, should have, could have. And I, yeah, it was time to, to do it. Do I miss farming? Yeah, but hell, we bought back quite a few farms, and um, and do we're duck farming now, you know, and so that 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 satisfies. Sometimes real farming. Sometimes you got to plant four or five or six times. <laughs> yeah, no shit, and always out guessing it. That's this Chihuahua, um, Doctor Rick. He come hunting with us, and so if anybody out there Google Chihuahua millet, and I I love to give up what resource what's little bit of knowledge and stuff i got because if it can help everybody feed more ducks and more success then you know it's the one time maybe us duck hunters ain't being assholes to each other and competing against each other because it's a big ego world you know there's nobody other duck hunters won't don't want to hear other duck hunters. hell i got a guy set up got on instagram and basically right across the river from that concealed comfort pit wanted to open up a shooting academy and the only reason that guy's here is he come hunting with me 20 years ago. How do you, you do know, something like that, Roy? How do you? Uh, I tell you what, it was funny. We had Mallard Bay with us. And Logan, you know, that's a neat niche they got going. And next to Split Reed, they're about the biggest in the industry other than Joe Weimer. And so with that <laughs> being said, you know, there's my, them. You know what? they Them old Cajuns, they said, I tell you what, we'll go over there and take care of him, Mr. Carter. I said, what do you mean? And he said, we'll eat that motherfucker. We go over there. We get down, we have some, we'll be eating him night. You won't even know it. And I thought, <laughs> boy, that'd do it. Well, he got bored. That little fucking crook finally got bored. And he's got a sad life and he's lonely. And uh, he's a city fuck. You'll have that. And uh, <laughs> so with that being said, he got bored finally, but we shot a limit of ducks. Now he fucked up the first 20 or so groups, but that's what's cool is we shot 45 ducks that fucking day. And uh, he really looked good. And you know what? He used to sit on the uh, Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks board and everything. And so I did some articles and I tagged Kansas Ducks Unlimited, Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks. I got some friends down at Ducks Unlimited and, you know, and 
oh hell and this when you got good mallard shooting for 40 years you know a lot of people and and you they're usually not at the bottom of the ladder and so now I, you know hey you want to play that game we play that game but that's what's neat we went in and killed them fuckers and that's that so it worked well, out you know, if i had known that back when uh they hired the chainsaw crew and the marachi band i would have had to call up some of your favorite mexicans to take care of the people that were scaring all their ducks off back there i know they were cajun i think they, they were, were cajuns ira they were some of your family down He's, there ira is so no. racially conscious nice work ira that's okay i told him to go ahead and get ready for this but no uh, no they were from louisiana that mallard band i don't they make gumbo or something down there well, but, yeah, no, man. hell, I'll give. I'll be in a fucking law set for a threat or another one of them. Oh, restraining orders for fear of my life or some shit, you know. Roy, but, I got, I got uh -huh. one. As I'm thinking here, I want to. Can you tell the story of of the? Because uh, I nobody gives a shit, and I realize that a lot of the things I'm interested in, no one else cares about. But I right. do care, and I care about Indian artifacts and arrowheads. Will you talk a little bit about the, you said the Osage Indian, and I've seen some of your arrowhead hunting. I know there's some Indian Indian history around. Hit that a little bit. I will. I will. No, I uh, used to arrowhead hunt quite a bit. Um, we had a health collection, but Queer Boy stole it the day he left for Dallas, C.D. LaForge. And that's why C.D. hates me is because I know his past. And so the old arrowhead and coin collection left, and there was a 1909 D. That 1909's when my grandma Aggie was born. So that's gone too. But anyway, and it was funny, I was down at this house one night and I said, Oh, that's a nice collection you got there. First time I'd seen him. I'd been told about this, but he was gone, you know, and he came back. I said, Gosh, that's a nice collection. That's the work of the Osage Indians. Got I got some arrowheads that match that flint that's white with that red sunburst. Where'd you get those? My great uncle gave me those. He's dead. But anyway, you, and you might have to edit some of that. But back to the arrowhead deal. Uh, I collected them for a long time with a guy that used to work for us and J.D. Sexton. And uh, I put it like in the Neosho County Fair when I was in third grade. And then that's that, you know, I, and it's funny because I pulled it out the other day and you can see the little kids writing on one of them. It says O.B. Erie. And my son-in-law, Jacob Gard, actually Marsh and Jeff, Jeff were there. They said, OB Erie, what's that mean? I said, oh, out by Erie. And it was on uh, guard property. That's what made it kind of ironic. But the kids and I went out looking the other day a couple times, and we found, you know, a few pieces and what have you. I don't seem to have near the spot. When I was a kid, five miles south of the um, St. Paul Church was actually on the bluff there, west side of the island, just about a half mile from where Habitat Flats built their lodge was where the largest Osage tribe was. And now granted the church and where they brought Catholicism. So no, I wasn't lying to you earlier, but if you read in the writings of the Gray's Memorial, they'll tell you. And by golly, that's where they come from. They had a field down there that they'd plow and then we'd wait for a big two inch, three inch rain. And I mean to tell you, like they dug a house footing down there and I think they found 30 some arrowheads just in the footings. And some of those are beautiful work. That's Kind of like now up there, well, up there where you're at, you know, some of them are really nice. Every now and then, some of these are gray and not so good. There is some talented. Well, in my readings, I got to reading. I thought that was all igneous or metamorphic, but it's not. It's not that uh, flint and chert is, is 
sedimentary or composite. I, I was to my surprise and Alan, a good Indian could crack one off and chisel it out in five minutes, they said. But what I want to know, Joe, is why'd they leave the arrowheads? Well, I assume they, I assume in some of those uh, settlements, they just died or got run out and there was different stuff, you know, put everywhere. I just, you know, I, I just kind of thought, told my father-in-law one time, I said, I guess it's like every Indian had a farm shop and that was their tools. And, and, and then all of a sudden throughout the next hundreds or thousands of years, shit got plowed over and people jacked with them. And all of a sudden, if you'd run a plow, a moldboard plow about a hundred times over everybody's farm shop, there'd be nuts and bolts strewn out everywhere. So that's kind of how I always looked at it. Yeah. It's kind of like they had, they obviously got packed up, and moved in a hurry. Right. Um, now the Osage Indian, they, they got moved right down on top of a bunch of oil and became the richest Indian tribe in the world. Um, which, you know, uh, good for them, but uh, enough's enough. I and we can go ahead and start taxing them now. I think you know what I mean. Ira, Roy, I think that uh, what happened, and and correct me if I'm wrong. You might you, you might have some insight, and we might all have some insight or not. But maybe those Indians just hit the peace pipe too much, and they forgot where they put their arrowhead stash, and so they have to keep making new ones. You honor bastards. You keep wanting to go there. I love it. I'm not going to fall off into that one. No, they did. And I think, you know, the world's finally starting to come around at that ain't the end of the world a little bit, you know, so, but uh, they were pretty content. They were pretty content. Um, if you, they sure was. If you, God damn it. Uh, God damn it. Three y'all, Jeff. If you, uh, okay. So the island has, you've been there forever. You, you've owned it, you've farmed it, you've developed it, you've sold some of it, you're still working on it. Talk about how cool it is to be able to have your son come on. I've heard you talk before that, you know, Drake always hunted and then he kind of went out and did something different and then he came back. You know, for somebody that appreciates history and hunting and family as much as you do, that has to be kind of cool to be able to see another generation come back and not just you know, you got the, it's like a farm family. You got the people that take the farm over and then you got the people that really care about the farm. You know what I mean? There's a difference. And it seems like he really cares. He does. And that's, and that's to all these people. I don't want to discourage them, but there's just no manual and you can't go, uh, learn it. And, and if you got, you know, it's kind of like the restaurant business. If you want to become a farmer and you want to become a millionaire, first thing you need is at least $2 million. Because by the time you get done, maybe you'll have a million left. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, you got to kind of grow up and, uh, you know, that's just the way that business is. Uh, Drake has really impressed me. And then I got my son-in-law, Jacob, on staff that just absolutely loves it. And sometimes I look in the river mirror and start to question some of my decisions, but Boy, I, when I learned that I really wasn't in charge, I mean, I am in charge, but there's, you know, the big guys in charge and you really don't realize it. And you're not supposed to realize it. And that's what makes it so good. You know, that's kind of like if you want to dream about a hot looking gal, you'll be dreaming about fat women all night long. It just don't happen. So, uh, you know, just to throw, I know it's like, Roy, why'd you throw that in there? But I guess just to loosen it up because I don't want to be too hard on myself. Um, a lot of this prices has went up pretty high. I paid a lot of money for that last spot because I didn't want to lose it. And I'm in a unique position now. And the reason I'm in that position is because where we've positioned ourselves. 
And it's kind of like life's, you know, a game of chess or boardwalk and parkway. And what's neat is, is as I run this property up, it just keeps running my property up. So how do you, you know, how in the hell does that work? Well, that's it, how it kind of works. And it's kind of like that old kid, them two boys down in Arkansas had that mule that they kept renting back and forth. Hell, the mule was five dollars before they got done. That some bitch was worth thousands. You know, I, that's yeah. another story for another day. But so I didn't have a farmer. I had Drake and two girls and I didn't have a farmer in the family. And so uh, he went off to California and this deal kind of come around. And, and then human nature, we want what we don't have you know the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence till you jump under crawl uh, crawl under jump over or cut through it and it don't taste near as good as it smells and then you're on the other side of the fence you know so that never never ends so he's came back into it and uh we bought that spot and we were just going to have a family spot well he was always when i hired trey crawford years ago i thought well this you know these kids are going to sit there and learn how to blow from the best. And, and that's what happened. And so he fell in love with it. And then he got hired from, uh, from a buddy of mine, used to pitch pro baseball, Dan Smith there with TNC uh, lodge, you know, for a year. And, and then the price was going up and, and Drake was like Dan described a rock star. And he, he basically said, well, they leased just that one pit, like 50 a year, you know, and Drake took hunters. He's like, man, we're just holding you back. And so with social media, not really knowing how all these people around the world or around, well, yeah, because I got guys in other country, parts of the country, but around the United States and stuff had been following us on television and stuff for the last 30 years. And that added a lot of legitimacy. And, you know, after you see, some, you know, you can only take watching so many greenheads hanging on a tree. And, uh, so anyway, we started going with that and, and fired CBI back up again. And, uh, well, it's working, working good, working good. We don't have a bunch of debt and we're able to actually make a little money and make a living, you know? So Ira, Ira kind of, you know, obviously your, your story and Roy's are, are, are different, but they're similar because, in the hunting industry, I don't care how much different your outfits are. There's a lot of similarities. And especially, especially when you're hunting a high end spot and, and when you're really, when there's a different, everyone knows there's a difference in, you know, leasing a field and, and having at it and going with someone that has been working on it all year long. I mean, both of you guys, both of you guys' operations are that way. So Ira, you know, let's circle back here with you. I kind of want to hit on the habitat flat side. Roy's talking about doing all this work. And I always think it's funny because he says diesel fuel kills, kills ducks. And I think he's a hundred percent right. Um, talk a little bit, Ira, when you guys first got some of these places that you're hunting now, how you guys got them going. I mean, they weren't all just ready to hunt. I mean, there's a lot of timber blank slate shit. There was a lot of fields that you guys, you know, that put in WRP, but part of that had to be kind of exciting. You know, uh, there's a lot of work to do and it's overwhelming, but just kind of talk about when you were starting out, Ira, what that kind of looked like when you're looking around at the different properties you guys were able to acquire and kind of how you did that. Well, I mean, our story is very similar to Roy's because, uh, you know, a, a lot of things have changed and, and I feel like we're both, 
when I say we, I'm not just talking about me and Roy. I'm talking about Habitat Flats and 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 Roy and Drake and them. But you know, you do become a victim of your a victim of your own success to some degree. I mean, back then, you know, there were not people from all over every part of the country looking to buy ground in Sheridan County, Missouri. Um, you know, there there were a lot of it was just farmed, and a lot of it was no water was put on. And if you told someone that you were going to flood corn, they would have thought you were from Mars. You know, they just did not, they didn't understand that. And you didn't need to do it to kill ducks. And and you still don't have to do it to kill ducks, but, but it is a, a resource that's utilized. And, you know, it's more true now than it was then. But even back then, you had to be boots on the ground. I mean, if you were a guy with some money that lived in Arkansas or New York or anywhere, your chances of getting a fair shot at a good piece of ground were pretty much zero because that place, the good spots just never came for sale. You don't see them listed. I mean, somebody is going to buy them before anyone ever knows they're for sale. And if you're not right there, you're, you're not going to have a chance at it. So, um, but you know, the prices and I'm, it's obviously the same for Roy, you know, the ground that we were buying for a thousand to $3,300 an acre back in the beginning, man, now they're proven spots with, you know, track records and history and logs and, and, uh, you know, you start trying to say, well, what's it worth? Well, what is it worth? You know, you tell someone it's worth $10,000 and their eyes open, you tell them it's worth $20,000 and their eyes open tell them it's worth $30,000 and their eyes open. But the truth of the matter is it's only worth what someone's willing to pay it and money pay for something. And money is relative. And a lot of those spots you're, you'd never have the chance to buy in 50 lifetimes or a hundred lifetimes now. So, you know, our world's changing it's accelerated a lot in the last 20 years and man, I just have no idea what will happen over the next 20, 50, a hundred years. You know, it'll probably be like Europe where only the, well, unless Biden stays in charge might be throwing rocks at him again. Um, but you know, that it may very well get to the point in the U S where duck hunting is strictly, you know, truly a rich man's sport. So, so okay. On that, on that note, Roy, I and I have talked about this a hundred times and I, I do a lot of real estate marketing and, and I, you know, kind of involved in, in a lot of that stuff, but it, you know, ground is measured in a per acre price when you go to buy it or sell it. I, I completely understand that. But for instance, where you have the concealed comfort pit at approximately how big is that one piece of property? Well, and that's neat. I got a story to tell there that that piece of property is 50 you know, uh, let's see, 60 acres or something, but the gun only shoots 50 yards. And so it's a duck spot. When I sold, exactly. when I did my first big sale, the county tax appraiser called me and said, well, you just set a new record. What's going on down there? I said, no, no, don't get all big eyed. I said, I don't own, and that was at that time it's 5,000 acre. I don't own 5,000 acre property. My other 1,500 acre, whatever, ain't, ain't worth the shit, but I sold the X. The X might be worth that, but everything, you know, half mile this way or that way ain't that. 
and because we don't have an underground aquifer we if you don't have water rights out of that river you don't have a guarantee and and so you kind of got monopoly on it whereas you get up squall creek and a lot of these other places you can just stick you know stick a pipe in the ground and go to pumping but and you've so got that the, makes it a little different and, and you've got though roy but what the, the and i agree with what you're saying the point i'm trying to make is whatever your ground is worth per acre where that concealed comfort's at is what it's worth per acre but when you look at it as a duck hunting spot what would somebody pay to have a spot where they can reasonably go and know they're going to whoop ass if they know what they're doing but they haven't that spot the way you have set it up and the same with some of Iris holes that they've got up there. Mm -hmm. Give me one. It'd be scary. Give me, give me, that's what I mean. Give me my, my point is give me one acre instead of a hundred less management. If it's the right one acre hole, like Iris got, or if it's the right 60 acres, you got. So when people, Oh, that's a crazy price per acre. Is it though? Because you might have 500 acres. You can't kill a duck on and you might have 50 that you can kill a thousand on. So it's just interesting how, how the, how duck farms kind of, set new records and and reestablish yeah. new norms for for prices it, it's just it's interesting yes it's the recreational property it's just strictly it's that it's rec you know recreational and it makes no sense it like that's why i say it, it kind of sells by the duck spot you know right and now it's not even for sale um and that makes it even higher when something's not for sale uh, and yeah you know everything like there was a big track of land that sold for 10 grand to here an acre. And then, you know, another track sold for 18, five. And uh, so things are, you know, I, that one over there, like I say, it, it'd be a scary number. And, and I, you know, hopefully everybody's Republican and educated listening to us. Cause I don't, we don't need anybody else hating us. It's just, it is what it is. Nothing was given to us on the welfare train. And, uh, but no, it's, it's all, uh, and as things change guys now, I mean, it's just plain and simple this last year, I knew that ducks would probably go back to Arkansas because we was in the worst drought that I've witnessed in a long time. And we had more ducks here on the refuge on Armistice day than we've ever had that I've witnessed. And I happened to be up counting them when the manager was driving around counting and he called me. And we had well over 200,000, 150,000 ducks, easy, and then a bunch of geese, but then they were gone. We didn't have any food to hold them because it flooded in June, and then and then it didn't rain after that. As a matter of fact, we got an inch of rain here about a week ago, and that was the first inch of rain we'd had since June of last year. Uh, but we're starting to come out of it, need a little sunshine, you know. It, it's hell or high waters, and you know what's next, so... But uh, with that being said, you know, you got to be right along it. It helps being along underneath this refuge and, and uh, especially now since we've opened up a business on it, it's, it, you know, there'd be no reason to sell it. And so sure. I don't know what the hell, you know, I, 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 that's a hard one. And I wasn't looking for a number. I'm just saying it's right. interesting how you can't put a price on a good spot and, and mm -hmm. I also want to ask Roy, we talk a lot about land on this podcast. People were asking questions. But one question I do think would be interesting, you know, how, how to get into farming? No clue. Good luck. Yeah, marry well. But but you've you've hit both you've seen both sides of the coin, and Ira, you have too. But Roy, from somebody, you know, you you've been in a unique position of where you've been a buyer and you've been a seller both. And you've had a unique journey on both of those. So 
when somebody has come to you, Roy, and asked you about buying a property, obviously, probably the most important thing they bring to that conversation is a fucking huge check. But <laughs> my my question is, do people, you know, you probably were friends with these folks, but how does that conversation go? And then I'd also like to ask, you know, some of these properties that you've acquired since then, how are you able to, how are you able to, to do that without, I'm not asking you to give any secrets away. You can be general, but it's interesting. I'm an open book. I like a fucking open book. Used to be a law at camp, no whispering at camp. Everything pretty black and white to me. And uh, with that being said, I love to talk about this because I like pulling equity. This has turned into a rich man's sport. And there's a piece of property going to be coming up for sale. And I've done told Turlup, you know, if you want to, you know, I already started the bid at $5 million. It's 554 acres, so it's fucking steel. And he's uh, down there, huh, and I'm going to buy it, and I'm going to protect. Well, you, maybe you are going to buy it, but you're going to save several million by talking to me, or I'm going to cost you a lot. Because I've got a lot of friends, and I have got a list, and I have people down in Arkansas and stuff that are in, in Memphis, and and then, of course, the Carolinas is where all the money hunters, that's old money, and that's where the blue coats and native puckers love to hunt, and they don't have mallards anymore, and humans don't want something until they take it away my dad he didn't he care less he's tired of the fucking ducks eating the corn now my great uncles did you know so anyway i have a list of what i call serious partners and then so i open my arms to any and all uh millionaires and and i don't and above or whatever they don't make shit and the bigger the better and then I put them on my list. And then when a piece of property comes, first I see if Roy Carter can buy it by himself. Because I'm an honest man. And I tell him, I said, man, it's my backyard. I'm going to think of me first. And, you know, I had some guys kind of get mad at me for buying this last place a little bit. And I said, whoa, 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 why are you here? If there's one motherfucker that can still buy any piece of property on the island or around the island, it's Roy Carter. If not, explain why not. Sure. All right. sure. I mean, come on. Sure. I've been there since 1886. There's no line in the sand that says I can't go by that. And so if anybody should have a shot at things, you know, and now granted, some people said, oh, hell, don't. My old buddy Danny Mel should bless his heart. He was with Jenny Craig. He said, don't go buy nothing off Roy. He'll just build something between you and a refuge. But hey, that's what worked. But anyway, this stuff, you just don't go buy it anymore. Everybody pretty cats out of the bag. I It sucked because. Oh, like there, I had people come into my house. They'd already collected five, 600 an acre off WRP and they wanted to sell me their 200 acres for $400 an acre right there on the island. Melvin Harris's place there by Mallard Oaks, Jim Chapel. And hell, I, man, I, I've already got a huge debt. It's time for me to start going the other direction. You know, I knew it's gold mine, but you can't prove that until you start putting the checks in the bank. And I'm a dreamer. All Kansas farmers are dreamers and gamblers. And so, like I say, I, it was unfair because I was having a lot of fun, Joe. I was drinking a 30-pack minimum a day of Coors Light, top shelf in all realms, and uh, farming. And that's why I, it got to be a problem because I started drinking at 7 o'clock. Why? Because I can. And why? Because it tasted good. And plus, you know, I was turned cowboy and I leased out. I was getting 135 or so. 150,000 a year from Habitat Flats. Well, anyway, when that whole deal went, it would have been selfish of me to hang on to that and 
watch bird flu or some weird deal or the Democrats or something come through and take away, you know, another one of those woulda, coulda, shoulda stories wouldn't have been fair to my three kids. And so it was time to quit being selfish and do what was the best for everybody and cash in while the chips were high. So yeah, land's high now, but why is land high? Because Roy Carter sold his and brought a bunch of big guys to the table and I had to advertise this shit. Why do you think I did, you know, all them TV shows? Sure. It was to market sure. and and you and Habitat Flats knows this. The day I quit marketing be the day I die. And I and that's the way with Habitat Flats. You don't ever stop marketing. Right. Because because your costs are never going to quit going up. That's and correct. So if your costs are going to quit going up, you've got to keep going. It's it ain't going to get cheaper next year. And as these place shrinks, and we've really seen it, really makes our place special and something I want to stress to the public. The cheapest way for you to have a good hunt, and that's why these things work, a quality hunt, and your time's precious, is to hire somebody like me or Tony and have them take you hunting, and you'll have the best fucking hunt you've ever had, and less worries, everything's taken care of, and you actually might kill something. Because I traveled, I'm going to tell you what, I didn't realize what I had. My brother Ed and I took off to Glendive, Montana, going to save money on freight. Well, fuck, that turned into a party. That didn't last. But anyway, we went up through the, we, you know, so we took off on a road trip. And we crossed the Neosho River three times to get out of St. Paul. And then we kept reading signs about the Platte River. When I finally seen it, I could have pissed across it. And then when we got to Glendive, there was the Mon uh, Yellowstone River, and it ran north to the you know, Missouri. And that made me realize we'd just driven, I believe it was like 1,200 miles, and the biggest body of water we crossed was the Neosho River, and it runs at a northwest angle, just like our migratory pattern. So we get, you know, our birds from right up there, and here they come, and it's kind of its own little, you know, where do our birds go? I, they seem, when they freeze out of here, they seem to go to Oklahoma. From the southwest wind bumps in, they'll bump right back up. They don't eat pine cones and rocks and fescues. So they don't go over the mountains. And yes, we have short stopped the ducks. The plow isn't that old and native grass is all that was here before us humans. And so, you know, you can, it's obvious to look at a duck and say, well, yeah, that's hell. They used to nest up here and they'd fly down there in the hardwoods and the swamps and, and that's how they did it. And now they, as Jim Gannott's, uh, which Jim was a special person. He used to own that right across the river from us. But anyway, uh, he said they eat their way south. And, you know, and that makes sense. And I, I know pressure plays a big part. But as I told Mr. Ramsey Russell on text the other day, don't forget about these duck hunters. They're the biggest waterfowlers are the biggest finger pointers. They think they're going to solve everything. They want to figure out how to manipulate and adjust Mother Nature and now nah, it's not going to happen you can you can put some odds in your favor i mean we definitely do that we you know we put the crop out there and we put the water on it and everything but um so things have changed you know um things have definitely changed so okay let's let's hit on this let let's do a little bit of of uh talk about cbi um one, do you even have any availability? And two, what is kind of what does it look like at CBI as far as for the upcoming year? And and hit a little bit on that new timber hole that you're putting in, Roy. 
the woods hole. Awesome. I sure will. Now, this is this is what's unique about the waterfowl industry. Um, years ago, when I had that lease uh, with the Goosey Boys, and uh, I ran no Stan Goosey. He worked up there at Habitat Flats for, for several years. Good guy. Good family. Stan, and Stan's a nice guy. Yeah, and his dad, Steve, and everything. Steve and I was pretty tight, and then Steve passed away. But um, anyway, they had that lease for quite some time. And the way this business works, just like their fishing camps up in Canada, you'll get full, and so you double your price, and that gets rid of half your people, and you'll find you got same amount of money, more profit, and the ones you got rid of are the ones you wanted rid of anyway. They're your headaches. And then half the pressure. And so that's like, like last year, season wasn't even over. Year before last, season wasn't over, and we were sold out. Whoop, too cheap. Well, I grew up poor, and so did kids and stuff. So, I mean, shit, $400 seemed like a lot of money, you know. And then we're sitting there running the calculator, and it's like, well, we got to build the lodge, this and that, and we was going to do that. And I even reached out to Ira to get some, you know, some knowledge and this talks and business. And, boy, I'm glad that this other piece of property popped up, and I didn't want to lose it. And so I threw, you know, kind of threw a high bid at it. But, you know, we ought to be able to make that work, you know, add another season on there, so to speak. And, uh, and, you know, so I kind of lost train of thought there, Joe, help me out. Where, where we're talking new about, property. yes, yeah, this the new property season. flooded. Okay. Yes. Pricing, pricing. That's right. Exactly. So anyway, we went because I think a long time ago we were free years, $300. Yeah, now that's no lodging or, 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 or food. And then, uh, then we bumped up to four this year. We bumped up to eight fifty. We're full in January. Most of December is full. And that's odd because that's usually our best time. But last year it, we killed more birds early, you know, cause we didn't have the corn here to hold them. Things look better this year though. And so that's where we're at right now. It's, $850 per gun per day. And then there's plenty of lodging available. I mean, we can have you set up in a nice house, an Airbnb, a casino, a hotel, and then good food. And then that way you're not pissed off at me with when the toilet breaks. And I'm kind of a, I used to always be the CEO and the janitor. So, and I think I'm going to probably keep it small, you know? Yeah. So, this, so let's good. What you say, Ira? That I'm going to interject here real, real quick. So, uh, just a couple observations about listening to Roy. Um, one is that he must be part veterinarian, also, because uh, he's exactly right. When you raise your prices, um, you get rid of a lot of people that are a lot of your headaches, whether it's the hunting world or the veterinary world. And then now I figured out listening to him why we both have so many ducks. It's because. Uh, at times, at least we used to in the past, because we'd start drinking early. And like Roy said, a duck doesn't like a straight line or a square or a rectangle. So, you know, all our corn would be going this way and that. And we'd have paths mode in all kinds of directions, whichever way the whiskey bottle took us. And apparently ducks like that. So my success, if you, or my recommendation, if you want to be a successful duck hunter, start drinking early. 
Well, you, you know, <laughs> boy, that's a no shitter. Yeah. Yeah. If you get up on Google Earth and get to looking, especially when they were paying them to do the shallow water depressions, I always tell them it looked like Ronnie O'Toole on acid. And I've seen, <laughs> I've seen mowing mow marsh. And uh, yeah. Yeah. You can tell the old jug, the cork's been pulled. And that's, and that's good. Safety first, of course. Of course. Okay, I got one. Roy, my favorite, um, I got a buddy that actually does a lot of work for Ira up there uh, at his farm, and he does some work for me too. But uh, he, uh, him and me, we love watching your hunting videos. The best video that I ever saw that I probably at least watched 50 times was whenever you guys were, I'm. this is just a, an all-out aside. It has nothing to do with what we were talking about, but I, I have to mention it. When you and Jacob and I think um, Drake were hunting those specks in the pond, and and you were saying mop them up, and it was just an absolute rain out. I, I bet I've, I've at least watched it forty times, maybe fifty. Boy, I tell you that, <laughs> I I know exactly which one, and I, it's weird because my hair is going crazy. He's laying in layout blinds and I, I don't realize I've got that much of a bald spot up on top, you know, <laughs> and goddamn poor old Jacob. He gets, I get to scream and he gets all nervous and he goes to kill shot that, that one on the right. <laughs> you missed. He said, Jacob, you this. missed. Shoot it again. <laughs> I felt terrible, but I got to get to having fun. And God. that's, Damn it. it yeah, was it's all real, you know. Oh, I love it. I I love it. I is there any it, okay, so another question. On this island, is there how much of the island would you say is 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 it mostly ag and duck habitat, or are there some pieces that are not in ag production on the island? Because I'm assuming the whole island is the bottom, correct? Right, right. And then of course the oh, if you go left and right of it, there's like the Neosho River Valley and all through this delta. And I don't know whether there was a fault line or what, but you got the Neosho River and you got the Vertigrees and on the west side of both of them is a bluff that's very similar. But yeah, so there's this valley of ag down through here and it's pretty much all agricultural, hunting ground, lease. And yeah, and the cat's out of the bag, just like what I, and you know, the, the cat is out of the bag. Is your buddy CD's place? Is it a duck hunting spot? Yeah, yeah, Dean Dean Fattori, which is funny because my cousin Chris makes pallets, and so does Dean up at Kansas City. He's probably Chris's biggest competitor. I don't think he'll be walking around Chris's parking lot anymore. Last time Dean said, uh, "Chris, Chris, my kids are with me." I don't, yeah, I don't give a shit. It's the fourth time I ran you out of the parking lot. But anyhow, uh, so I didn't bid against Dean. I, I, but I. Cause I like Dean. He he's a good guy, and he bought. You could even tell duck politics. He he bought a couple of days hunts for the family and hunted one day and didn't hunt the next. You know, because he knew that I kind of I got me ear to the ground. You know, now it says right on there, uh, Stumpy Roy Carter, do not. <laughs> no, <laughs> need not apply. That goes back to to bidding on his land whenever they were getting a father passed away and a reappraisal value. You know, but. Nah, Pete LaForge came to all our Christmas dinners and everything. He came there in 1935, couldn't see the sky. Went down there to shoot some ducks for mother for Christmas one day. The game warden come up there. He think he had about three of them. Game warden said he wanted to see his gun. What for? See if it's plugged. 
he told must have been the truth. He is windy, but he told the same story as uh, this and must have been the truth. But he, he said he didn't give him his gun, but he was going to, he told him a little bit about it. He said, it's got one on the barrel and four in the magazine. And, you know, get the fuck off property. I'm going to let you have it. And after that, Pete never did go hunting again. That soured him on the deal. And he went, you know, so yeah, that's, that could be a great spot. He wants 15,000 an acre for it. And it's 400 acres. So 6 million on that. And you know, and he hates me. And you know who made that worth six million? Roy Carter. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, and I know that sounds arrogant, but it's a fucking true. It's a true story, Joe. I'm yeah, waiting. I, I. That's well. I mean, that's I'm kind of we're the founder, and it was just shit ass luck. It was just shit ass luck. It really was in a sense. And then now it's just going to get. It's just gotten crazy. And the only way I could ever, I knew that the only way I was ever going to hit a lick on this stuff is to sell it someday. Sure. You know, you can, you can make a living renting and leasing and stuff, but you're still going to just sit there and be grinding. And I don't know. Now I just kind of shop around, try to get creative and looking for that other stuff, but I'm spoiled as shit, man. Cause when I move away from my areas, it gets really slow. And can you shoot a lemon to green heads every day? Yes. But will you see a Macy's day parade? No. And I'm just, I'm very spoiled. I mean, We'd go down that big hole and shoot 20 green heads, go up to the cafe at 9 30, 10 o'clock, and nobody else up the river valley'd see a duck, you know, and it's just weird. It's kind of a well, hub. So yeah, that it's an open, it's pretty open in there. And sure. And it, it's a weird deal, Joe. Um, and that's why it's it's the X. It's it's just where they want to be. You if there's tw- if there's two dozen mallards in Neosho County. I can drive you down there on the levee and back there and point and show you where they're probably going to be sitting. And that's just where they want to be. And it's where they've always wanted to be. And I'm not saying you can't kill them, you know, and I'm hoping they'll go ahead and be comfortable just across the river and and just a jag south. But, you know, and that's another thing, all you duck hunters and real estate lovers out there. Until you go to grinding them bastards, you don't know. All you know is you spent a lot of money. So, yeah, you can't buy a duck. You better be in the location, location, location. Agreed. Ira, uh, Ira, you got any other questions? Oh, no. I mean, I just, I'll touch on what he just said. You know, we got a lot of spots, but there's only one love lake. And, uh, you can have a lot of spots and you can develop a new place and think what you want to think. And truth of the matter is you just don't know to put water to it. And and not every year is the same, but typically when it's all said and done, your best spots are going to always be your best spots unless, you know, something changes and you can't always put your finger on it. But, but the spots that are just ducky that for whatever reason, look good and your call sounds good and whatever the case may be, uh, they're, they probably always were good and they probably always will be good. Yeah. Ancestral holes. Roy, yeah. Roy, what is, so we've hit on the past. What is, mm-hmm. what does the future for Roy look like? And I know that's a, no one can answer that, but in your mind, you're going to do, you're going to, I can already tell you're not going to retire until they retire you to a coffin. You're going to, you're going to be working and grinding it out no matter what. But what is your what are you looking forward to in the next few yeah, years? Oh uh, yeah, yes, that's what not God's path, and I don't want to sound like a Bible thumper, which 
oh, that's better than a dope head or a drug, you know, or a, a gunslinger or something like that. Uh, you know, Bible thumping ain't too damn bad. But uh, I'm really inspired with the, the boys. And, and of course, now my locals, they claim they've got men that will take you hunting. I still like calling mine the boys. I, I've tried to explain to my buddy across, you still got to know what to do when you get there. Now, these, these two boys grew up blowing a call and blowing feed with Trey Crawford. And I mean, you put them under them and they'll hammer them and then great with people. And if I can just not mess it up, we finally got it rolling. If I'd had it rolling like this, I wouldn't have had to sell an acre. But, you know, hey, that journey, sometimes you don't get across that bridge if you if you stay on the other side of the river all your life. But um, so now I'm going to keep trying to push the envelope as hard as we can uh, when it comes to duck hunting every day every day and that's that's all we think about we get up every morning and we're trying to think what can we do today that is top priority to make carter's big island hunt club better and i don't know of any places that people invest their dollar to go have a good time and 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 they actually give that much a shit about it you know, and so that's what we do every day. And we're even having fun with, I'm doing co-ops. Um, I've got a trademark here now. Your land might be worth something, but if I go out and put your, my stamp on it, it's going to be worth a hell of a lot more. And it should be. I've earned that. Jody Pagan's the same way. I'm not in Jody's category, but we ain't in Arkansas either. And no, so right. nobody knows who in the hell he is around that. So anyway, you know, and then if I can get to killing them on there and, uh, this area has really blowed up. Um, but these boys, they're, they're going to do great with it. And then it's, there's more to this than just duck hunting nowadays. You know, it's what shoots off of that, you know, um, I don't know if that's t-shirt and hat sales, duck call sales, you know, who knows what the next journey. So we'd like to. We'd like to have a place in Canada and go up there and do that. Primarily, I'd like to go to Alberta. I've been talking to a guy up there, but of course, Trey Bo had ran a gig in Alberta and we was getting ready to do that. And I'd rather do that as build a lodge. You know what I mean? I mean, and I think it's the lodge. The lodge deals icing on the cake and I should, but I wasn't so lazy. And if I could handle people better, like Ira can, I would build one, but I'm such a fucking asshole. Nobody wants to spend that much time with me. And so, you know, and I say that sarcastically, I try to be a good guy, but nah, it's, that's more pressure I need. And, you know, <laughs> us old boys that followed 12 steps and we still have to follow them. We don't need a lot of pressure. I'm well, happy, happy, happy. So I feel like we'd be remiss before we end this though. We've talked about it a few times and I don't want to put you on any spot that you don't want to be in, but I do think it'd be cool, Roy, if you'd say a few things about Trebo, you know, with, uh, I know you guys were close and, and you guys hunted together mm -hmm. for a long time and kind of, kind of hit on what brought you guys together and, and kind of your hunting relationship. Oh, I'd love to. In the early nineties, we went down uh, the Goozy boys and all-star construction out of Minnesota, uh, Pete Carlson, Grady or in Ramada and Grady and Ramada grew up at Tim grounds. And so anyway, uh, they were in the, duck and goose industry they started ultimate bird outfitters up in uh, western minnesota so we go down to arkansas and we hunt with rich and tone guide service and uh, jimbo and trebo 
And the first time I met Trebo was we went west to Brinkley, crossed the cache, took a right, went north, and back there on some logging road or something, two war eagles and two 80-horse outboards, and they made us lay down in the boat. Charles was five years old. He sat in the captain's seat. Jimbo and Trey had goggles and spotlights, and we took off. And Charles was a screaming and a hollering down through there. One of the famous holes was the Memphis hole. And we got back in there, and then they started to look. We, we, they got out of the boats and started pushing us through the cache. This was before the ivory billed woodpecker. At that time, there was mallards on Brinkley Water Tower. And at this present time, again, thank God there's mallards again, not some damn made-up woodpecker. With that being said, if you don't want to know what I'm talking about, you just ain't in duck hunt like I am, but or as old as I am. So anyway, we went in there, and Brother Mike had a VHF camera. And then guys started breaking them calls down to the ducks overhead, and they started landing around us. Two war eagles. People standing around. I mean, landing all around us. Finally, we get to the spot. We shoot. I've got a picture from that day. I was shooting a browning gold. I didn't care for that gun, but everybody, goozy bought, yada, yada. You know, somebody buys one, yada, yada. So anyway, though, shot treetop banded mallard that day, three pin tails and about 18 mallards, and then the f- some feds showed up. Uh, no, the next day we go to that hole, and we're just getting started, and here comes three federal game wardens and a couple state representatives or something. Trebo, is that you? Yeah, it's me, Harold. You know, we're going to hunt this hole today. So we had we got kicked out of a hole by some like say state representatives and, and some federal game wardens. And so that's how I met Trey, uh, Trey Crawford. And I just was amazed with those guys, plus amazed with Jimbo. And Rosie knows me because I went down to Butch Richenbach when he was downtown in the White Center building. And I said, Butch, and I bought uh, some calls and I had him signed to Roy from Butch and, and stuff before the signature series come out and what have you. And, and I said, man, how can I get one of them calls like Jimbo blows? Well, what do you mean? You just bought one. I said, no, no, he's, he don't ever blow that. I said, and I didn't know I was messing up. This is a no, no, man. I said, no, he's got a board out D2 alt turned around all modified up. And so hell the next day I get to camp and I done told, I done broke the sacred law. You know, I was telling him Jimbo wasn't even blowing a rich and tone. Hmm. Well, hence, and Jimmy would always have to take it apart, clean it chew out of it but i never seen anybody turn ducks with feet so high as him and trey crawford because when That's we got no kicked shit. out of the cab yeah we, we went to a place behind it's called boggy creek behind jim bow's house there south brinkley and, and they had the traffic and that's what we have is traffic well jimbo was blowing a cut down way before and so was these other guys you know i got one a guy give me oh jim or john rucavina give me one hard rubber you know, not a plastic, but no hard rubber keyway turn and sound like shit. But and I've witnessed it in the big hole too, guys. I went in there, Doug, Dougie Hensley, uh, and I'll get back to Trey. But Dougie Hensley says, "Nah, it, the J frame ain't working." Ducks had come over. I'd been bending ducks in that hole for thirty years, and I couldn't bend them. They'd been to that J frame. So anyway, Trey being a a duck core and ducks being his top priority. He went where the ducks are, and he didn't care much about uh, old retirement 
programs and policies and savings accounts. He cared about duck hunting. And so he was a freelance duck hunter and I hired him and he came up there and he just started seeing what was going on in this little niche that we got. And, you know, at that time, not hardly any competition and just really had a monopoly on them and the consistency. And it, what he told me, he said, brother, I, he says, these ducks that you're getting, they've done set their mailbox up. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, watch your freeze out and they'll go down here. And just as soon as we get Southwest wind, they'll all blow right back up. And uh, so this nice little bunch of ducks that we're holding in here, you know, we just did good on it. And Trey and I clicked, and he was a good cook. And when I had a steakhouse, he worked in the steakhouse for us and cooked. And and he just fell in love with the boys and became family. And and uh, here the last year, I noticed that he was actually staying at my house with me the last couple seasons, which was really nice, hell of a cook. But I noticed that he wasn't eating near as much, and he didn't go to Thanksgiving dinner with us. And, and it was really weird. And by the time took him to the doctor because he got real jaundice. My wife said, you better get his ass to the doctor and went down to the doctor and, you know, he had liver cancer. And by the time you start noticing all these 10 symptoms, you know, and I even asked him, I said, is your shit white? He said, yep. So anyway, by the time you notice them all, you're, it's, you're just fucked. And so at least he didn't have to suffer long and he passed three months later. And that's about what that life expects. And with these cell phones, there was no bullshit. The guy because they can Google it and figure out what's going on. and But no, what a carefree guy. And it was funny because Goose Floor and Trebo and I were up at John Redmond. And uh, it was so windy, nobody else would get on the water. And Goose Floor and I had bought this big boat out of Iowa. That's if you want to buy a boat line, that's where you buy them out of Iowa. They know it. they're the ones like invented them, some bitches. And those boys were white knuckled and I don't, what's that one old kid that didn't go 20? You know, he's kind of an Instagram hit. Mm. I'm screaming, I, I was screaming loins, boys, loins. And <laughs> it was hilarious. Goose Lord, he's very conservative and doesn't want to take any risk. And he says, well, why don't we just go up here to the left out of the wind in this little cove today? Well, I'm going to tell you what, when we got to the spot, Joe, we flushed out on, you know, and this is a public spot and we flush up about, 15,000 mallards, 20,000 mallards, and we we're the only guys out there. We couldn't get to them because it got too shallow, but it was white capping. And so they worked into the wind real nice, and we had a hell of a good shoot. And so that was cool. That was our last hunt together. Man, that's, that's awesome. Cool. Hey, Roy, I do have two quick off-the-duck uh, questions for you. One, you told me that you'd done pretty well on your house in Florida, but I'm curious, do you do any fishing when you're down there, or you just relax? Uh, fish we went yesterday one foot seas yeah I, I got old pat and he kind of showed me the ropes which is you know i need to get some more spots yesterday the bottom fishing sucked we got out to our 25 mile spot i missed a big bite chris i think had a grouper getting the rocks and break him off he wasn't near ready for that i looked over there and he was just looked like he was going over the side of the boat you know and that's why i bought this house i, I went out fishing one time it was like wow it was like a flathead bite well, anyway, we went to another spot and there was a big mat of grass, which I told Pat, and of course, all these queer, blank, well, or all these liberal, I got to quit that, scratch that one, because I got friends that are gay. There's a bunch of grass coming because of this uh, global warming bullshit, which fucked our world was supposed to come in 1984. Uh, but so we went and, and man, I about had a wall hanger. 
So we started dragging by them grass mats and we got into the dolphins and son of a bitch, we had a five foot bull on there. I'm 40, 50 pound and he jumped out of the water and everything and he broke a steel leader. It was a little bit rusty. So we, that we, that's, we ended up with about 10 Dorado. We're going to have fish tacos tonight. I would rather, and I know it ain't snapper time. You have to cut this, but if you wait till snapper season, you're too fucking late. <laughs> you gotta beat the poachers to them, goddamn! What's that? You, you gotta beat the you gotta beat the poachers to them. You damn right, you damn right. And that's uh, we already had blood and scales on the boat. We just needed some action. But no, I love eating, you know, triggerfish and grouper and everything. But I'm I'm learning. Oh, the I don't like to come down here when it's too hot. July and August. Oh, poor Roy. Um, let's see. I come down here in the May because this is when you could go out there by Crab Island and catch some great big bulls, and and they're out there. You know, you'll catch 30, 40 inch bulls on light tackle. If you Google bullfight at Destin, yeah, bullfight at Destin Bridge, you'll see. Oh, one of them old kids, not Roland Martin, but somebody fighting them out there. Are you down? Are you close? So to yeah, Destin? yeah, and you kind of used to. Are you close? To yes, Destin? yeah. Um, I am. I am. I'm 10 miles west of downtown, and it's on a peninsula, this Destin is, and uh, I'm at uh, Santa Rosa Beach, and there's a small mart down in on the road real near, and it was a weird deal because I sold that farm, and I didn't, you know, I didn't change houses or cars or anything, really, and, and I sat around for a while, and the market took a dip in December of 2018, and I thought, man, I if I... I want to see something. I might as well enjoy something. So I bought this market came back up. I beat the hell out of myself mentally. I, I do that a lot because that was 20% that more that this cost me in my mind. But by golly, I tell you what, uh, you know, it's kind of like the grain markets. You got to, it's got to go down to go up. And one thing about the Democrats, they'll fuck up a market. And so it gives you a time to get in. You know, I bought NVIDIA six months ago. It's a little uh, 108% right now, but I mean, you know, but that'll always win, you know, it, money don't lay eggs, yada, yada. Uh, but with that being said, yeah, this place is worth twice of what it was. Uh, I seen Chi Chi on, you know, old Scott Bay or something. He said, fuck California. You get now there are more people moving to California now than any other state in the union. It just passed Texas. And it's all because they've got a, or Florida. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God. That's all because of uh, our governor, uh, you know, here in Florida. He passed the law last week. No uh, Chinese cannot buy agricultural land in Florida. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, this is a good deal. One more question, Roy. Uh, how's corn dogs? She turned out to be a good dog for you. Corn dog's going to be a great dog. Um, yeah, that's to all you guys listening. I liked it keep friends and it was you know like ira come out there and he he did his part and he had a lease with me and the toughest thing about this is okay if i sell this property and now what do we habitat flats and, and of course i had to have a sell option in there i wouldn't have been able to borrow any money and i was over 1.2 million in debt at the time you know life ain't rosy so with that being said i i seen where ira had some pups for sale and i thought well shit i'll go buy a pup and bought that pup and then 
got some training done there at Habitat Flats, and, and that was a great experience. And then the pup ends up, the pup's daddy wins. Uh, oh, you'll see her dad looks just like her daddy. Perina Dog of the Year, to my understanding. And, and uh, what did that dog win, Ira? Do you know? I don't. Wasn't it the Dog of the Year? I don't know. I'll pull it up. Everybody go to Roy CBI and you'll check it out. You'll see it on there. But And I should. Uh, steady Tom or something. So anyway, dog very smart. Um, it's going to do everything I need her to do. Uh, with these dogs going to retrieve the ducks, nothing. That's what they are bred to do. It's not going to retrieve the duck and stand there like a lady is what is always the challenge. And I noticed with her um she's gonna be a good one and yeah yeah i named her money dog so so i think she's gonna be a good one yeah she does it she really does hell yeah i think it's something to have a good dog it's it's a lot of it's it adds a lot of enjoyment to the hunt that's for damn sure yes we've got three good dogs we were dog poor or weak there a couple years ago because cane dog our dare to dream dog got hurt and uh but now he's back in action he's about six jacob's got a good dog that handles well and a hell of an athlete uh hank is two and then money dog so so we're we're pretty strong until something happens you know and i tell you you hunt them dogs every day you can't you gotta you gotta alternate if you got one dog it's just gonna they can't take it every day here well no you and you ain't wrong and I, uh, man, I feel like, I feel like this has been a hell of a conversation. I've really enjoyed it. I knew some of the story, but I didn't know a lot of the details. That's what gets a lot of people in trouble in, in life. It seems like they know, they think they know something and, and they don't know the whole thing. So I wanted to find out the whole damn thing. And I feel like we, I feel like we found out a lot. Uh, Ira, I enjoyed the hell out of that. How about you? Yeah, for sure, man. Roy's always interesting to talk to and, uh, Roy, we appreciate your time and your stories and your insight into your part of the world and some other parts of the world. I can promise you nobody knows that part of the world like he does. Well, I enjoy it, guys. And like I say, I feel honored to be thrown in with your group. It's uh, this waterfowl. It's kind of, it's a small world and it's shrinking every day, you know, and I don't know. I, I don't know donate more money to ducks unlimited and make sure that money gets used properly is all I know, uh, to try to help everybody have a fair shot at success in the waterfowl. And yeah. And th I enjoyed the hell out of it guys. And I know I get windy and off subject. And if anybody out there has got a question, just shoot me a message or some shit and I'll try to get back with you, you know, man, follow Roy, follow Roy on Instagram and follow his page and follow his, uh, his hunting page. Uh, at the CBI Hunt Club page, and you know, I hope everybody could take something out of this. Uh, whether you're a whether you're a farmer, whether you are a business person, whether you're a W two employee, whether you're a duck hunter or not, whether you're hunting public, whether you have your own farm, whether you pay to go on guided hunts, um, whether you're looking for a farmer, what are you looking for? Um, I feel like Roy has a a lot of a breadth of a lot of knowledge on a lot of different things. Uh, so. I hope everybody enjoyed this. I know we did. And I think this is kind of one of those, you know, we, we talk with a lot of folks that are in business and I'd say that of our guests, Roy's probably gotten his hands just as dirty as any of them and still is. So Roy, we really appreciate it. And 
this will be live soon. Hope everybody enjoys it. And, and again, Roy, thanks for coming on. Yes. And thank both of you guys. I really enjoyed it as well. And you know me, I could bullshit all day and I just, you know, I stress it's Roy. If I say something that's pissed you off, you, you might've interpreted it wrong. You know, I didn't mean to. And if I mean to piss you off, you'll know it. And so, and <laughs> You know, and and once again, don't quit hunting with us just because, I, you know, we had some luck and success and these boys, uh, they're earning every penny. There's nothing spoiled about it here on the big island for sure or this place down here. You know, when I come to Florida, I'm just constantly thinking about the big island. That's kind of how home is, you know, when you're on the floor, when you're down, when you're in Florida, you're on the big, big island. Yeah. Yeah. No shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Roy, thank you. We really appreciate it. Have a good one. All right. Thank you, guys. My dad would cook for him, and all the guides lived in this little, we called it the Mouse Mahal. I mean, it was just a little rundown shack. I'm kind of an addictive person. If I ever get on drugs, I feel like it's over. Because <laughs>